Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, Wanastainuhu, Wanastafiruhu, Wanuminubihi, Wanatawakalu alayh. Wanauzi billahi bin shururi anfusina, Wamin saya anti amalina, Mayahdihillahu falamu dillalah, Mayudlilhu falahadiyalah. Wanashadu allah ilaha illallah, Wanashadu anna muhammadan abuduhu wa rasuluh. وصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فنأوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اصبروا وصابروا ورابقوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صدق الله اليوم My beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah. We thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek His help. Wanastaghfiruhu, we seek His forgiveness. Wanu'minu bihi, wanatawakalu alayh. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and many more, and many more. And as is the case every single week, I ask you the same question to ask yourself, and that is to ask yourself what is changing. What is changing in your hearts? What is changing in your relationships? What is changing in the world around us? And to look at these things from the perspective that you look at what you can control and work on changing those things for the better, and those things that you cannot control, that you make dua for them. So what is happening in the world? Of course, the ongoing situation in Syria, the ongoing situation in Palestine, in Kashmir, in the Central African Republic, and so many other places throughout the world where people are being called back to Allah for their judgment. And the question I asked previously, not long ago, was for you to ask yourself, how vivid is your own day of judgment? Think of the consciousness you have right now. That is the consciousness you will have on the day of judgment. Sometimes when we speak about the day of judgment in heaven and hell, or even in the state of death, we often think of it as a dreamlike state. But when you and I are in the day of judgment, this part of our lives will feel like the dreamlike state because all the veils that are in front of you will be removed. So think to yourself, how real is the day of judgment for you? Is it as real for you as tomorrow morning is? Chances are for most of us it's not that visible. Or perhaps what your life looks like a year from now, it may not even be that visible. But try to make it as real in your imagination as possible. Or, at the very least, think of it as an inevitability. Something that no matter how hard you try, you cannot escape it. And you keep moving closer and closer to it. But how to be properly prepared? You should have a balance of fear and hope. We teach our deen in many ways in our community. There are those who side by teaching fear, and there are those who side by teaching hope, but you should have a balance of hope and fear. Because it's easy to look at all the places where you've fallen short and 
we will be reminded about them on the Day of Judgment, but also do not forget the fact that you've all done good as well. So when it comes to your Day of Judgment, if you have too much fear, that is a, a trick from Shaitan. If you have too much hope, that is also a trick from Shaitan. And so what do you do if you have too much fear, so much fear that you feel like you're doomed? Then you say, Astaghfirullah, or you say, Subhanallah, or you say, Alhamdulillah. Why? Because what have you just done? You've elevated your situation on the Day of Judgment. And then if you don't feel fear about the Day of Judgment, meaning essentially you have more hope or ambivalence, then you especially focus on seeking tawbah from Allah, astaghfirullah. And the same thing, what are you doing when you are making the prayer, astaghfirullah, I seek the forgiveness of Allah, you're reminding yourself of the wrong that you do do. So always keep that point in mind. And then when we bring it closer to home, look at the nature of your relationships. This is something I want to especially touch on in today's khutbah. One of the questions that I've been receiving quite a bit lately, for whatever reason, is the question, can non-Muslims go to paradise? And there's one answer to this question, and that answer is that only Allah knows. But we also know that Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment will treat everyone fairly. We are also taught that not only will Allah Ta'ala treat everyone fairly, that he will also, for many people, give them rahmah. Meaning, you will not get less than what you have earned. If any of us, a'udhu billah, a'udhu billah, a'udhu billah, get sentenced to hell, we will recognize on that day that we deserved it. Okay. And if we get gifted with heaven, we may or may not realize that we deserved it, but we will be overwhelmingly full of gratitude to Allah. But the majority opinion that you find among our commentators, and perhaps I should correct this by saying the majority opinion in terms of what I've found among our commentators is that the answer to this question is no. Now, let's move from the academic to the real. A few of us in this room, including myself, have non-Muslims in their either immediate or extended family. And probably in not more than a decade, every single one of us in this room will have non-Muslims in your extended family. So if it's easy for me to say, yep, non-Muslims are going to go to hell, then what does that mean about my relationship to the non-Muslims that are in my family? Either that's a contradiction or I'm not paying attention to reality. Okay. Or I'm just missing humanity. Let's take this point a step further. And some of you have heard this example from me. Suppose you're walking down the street here on Sheridan, and let's say it's lunchtime, so the street's really crowded with people walking left and right, and you see a van is coming, and it's about to plow through the people in front of you. Think of what you would do instinctively. Okay? Some of us might jump to get out of the way. Okay? Some of us might try to pull the people who are going to get hit out of the way, instinctively. Some of us might even shout to get those people to get out of the way. Some of us might freeze. But the point is, these are the things that you would do instinctively, that I would suggest that most of us, if we had the, the, the mind to do so, we would either shout to get people out of the way, or we might even pull people to get out of the way, knowing that this van is coming. Or think about it from another perspective. You're waiting on the red line for the train to come, and you see someone is about to fall over on the tracks. 
every one of us would start to hold our breath, and then some of us would even try to go and save that person. And so when we're talking about getting hit by a train or getting hit by a van, that is nothing compared to going to hell. So what am I saying? When we move from the abstract theological point, can a, Muslim go to can a non-Muslim go to heaven? The real practical point is if I believe that a non-Muslim is set for hell, and if there is any humanity in me, then I will be begging non-Muslims to come closer to Allah. Okay. So a lot of times we get caught up in the theological points and we forget the practical. The practical is that if I believe that non-Muslims are going to hell, then I should feel compelled to call everyone to get closer to Allah, to embrace the Prophet, peace be upon him. Now there is a minority opinion that non-Muslims can go to paradise. Okay. But the answer is still the same, because I am Muslim. By virtue of the fact that I'm living Islam, by virtue of the fact that every one of us is leaving our day to come here to listen to this super amazing mashallah, mashallah, mashallah khutbah, the reason that we are all here is not because of me, it is because the divine has told us to come here. And what are we saying? If I'm living this life, I am saying with my actions that Islam is better than other traditions. Okay. It's something different if I'm going around and saying Islam is the best religion, Islam is the best religion. No, the way you're living your life, you're telling everyone else that's the best way to live, at least for you, but by extension for everyone else. And think about what you would do if you found a way to do really well on your tests, other than cheating, you would tell your classmates, here's what you need to do, here's what you need to study. Why? Because what's also instinctive among us, the first point that's instinctive among us, is that if you see someone walking into harm's way, you will feel compelled to pull them out. But what is also instinctive among us as humans is that if you have something that other people can benefit, you may find joy in giving it to other people. Of course, some of us are thinking, well, those people are going to be competing with me for admissions to med school, so I'm not going to tell them anything. But many of us who have a little bit more goodness in our hearts will share. And so what am I saying? The fact that you are living Islam means by definition you're saying Islam is the best way to live. And so what does that mean? If someone is non-Muslim, you should also feel compelled to introduce them to Islam. Now this is not saying that every single one of us needs to go out and do da'wah. Da'wah, just like all the other roles in Islam, relates to particular positions. When we look at all the Sahaba, may Allah Ta'ala be pleased with them all, we even categorize them. There are those who are the fuqaha among the Sahaba. These are the people who had understanding of the deen. And then even there, there are those who had understanding of the sunnah of the Prophet, may peace be upon him. And there are those who had understanding of the legal traditions. And we speak of the fuqara among the Sahaba. And we also, uh, we also categorize the Sahaba according to when they became Muslim. Those who became Muslim in the first wave. Those who, came, uh, who were part of the Battle of Badr. Those who came all the way at the very end. So forth and so on. And what am I saying? Just as is the case with them, such as the case with you and I, that every single one of us has something to give in terms of our work of deen. And some people are good at da'wah. But what is the best da'wah? It's going to be your actions. Okay. 
We had some really good news. If you remember the, the speaker who spoke at the end of the year last year, or I think it was the culmination dinner of IAW, Rami Nashashibi, he was just granted the MacArthur Foundation Award. The MacArthur Foundation Award is sort of the American Nobel Prize. Uh, it's called the MacArthur Genius Grant. And he was awarded, or he or Iman, Inner City Muslim Action Network, was awarded with some huge prize, like $600,000 tax-free. But the point is, <laughs> Rami, for those of you who know him, is one of the most beloved of the Muslims in our entire community. As much as I'm hated in the community, Rami is beloved in the community, mashallah, for him. But the point being that why is he so beloved? It's because of his actions. His dedicated work in serving the underprivileged, so much so that he makes it his full-time job, which is what he's been doing for decades. And what am I saying? That in our society, as you and I know, there's a lot of skepticism about religion, about religious leaders, but everyone appreciates someone who has upright conduct. Everyone appreciates someone who behaves in a wholesome way. Everyone appreciates someone who has good character and good manners. And if you have that, that will be stronger da'wah than anything your tongue can say. And this is a point that I bring up so many times, my beloved brothers and sisters. Why do I bring up cheating in your pre-med exams so many times? Well, for starters, if you're cheating on your exams and you go to med school, I don't want you to be my doctor. But aside from that, what am I saying deeper than that? Because <coughs> people know. And people recognize, all right, these are the people who are honest. These are the people who are cheating. So ask yourself if your classmates when they see you, when they think of you, they think of people, of students, of classmates who are of the most upright behavior. It's not hard to do. Or do they see you as a bunch of people who loiter? This is in your control. And so what am I saying? At one level, we're talking about who can, inshallah, go to paradise. Allah knows best. But the best da'wah is going to be in your actions. So now let us take a moment and ask Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness, especially for all those times where any of us have fallen short. Wa akhira da'wana an alhamdulillah We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, may peace be upon him. So then how do we improve our character? We'll talk about that in the second half of this second part of the khutbah, but let's go back to the theological exploration. It is of unanimous opinion or seemingly unanimous opinion across commentators that there will be some people who will go to hell and then once they pay off what they need to pay off, they will go to heaven. There is difference of opinion whether that applies to everyone that it seems to be the case that anyone who had any amount of iman in their heart, if they go to hell, they will eventually be brought into paradise. But will that apply to non-Muslims? There you find a difference of opinion. And don't think that this is unique to Islam, that those who are not part of the group are not going to go to the happy place. You find this all across many different traditions. But the point I'm making is that that may be a theological reality that may be something that will apply to many people we know. Inshallah, it won't apply to any of us in this room, but God knows best, and we have an amount of control in that. 
So bringing us back to the first comment that I made, ask yourself what you think of when you think of your own judgments. And a way to do that is ask yourself how you lived your life today. From the moment you woke up until now. Some of you woke up three minutes ago, but even include that, but some of us woke up at fudger time, and some of us were probably up till 7 a.m., so you went to sleep at fudger time. But the point is, ask yourself, how did you live your life until you entered this room? And if your whole lifetime was this one day, ask yourself, would that be the behavior of someone who's going to heaven or hell? And ask yourself in an honest way, not in a skeptical way, not in a delusional way. Just be frank. Mohasaba, do a simple analysis of how you lived your day. And the easiest thing to test, because it's probable that most of your day today so far has either been schoolwork, class, or sleep, and maybe food. But the easiest way to test your day is how did you use your tongue and how did you use your ears? How did you use your ears? Meaning, when people around you were saying things, if they were saying inappropriate things, in your heart or with your own tongue, were you saying astaghfirullah, right? There was a funny moment, I don't think they're here, where I was walking down the Hall of Fates on the way to the Musalla, and there are two people talking, swearing about some other brother or sister. Then they look at me, and I wave really big, because they got busted, and then they ran away. Now, if any of you fear me that much, I hope you fear Allah more than you fear me. Okay. And so then do that as a test. If you were doing something and you saw me walking by, would you change your behavior? If, for example, someone is texting during Jummah, mashallah, if Friday, October 13th, 2017, 3 p.m. Uh, and you see me walking by, would you change your behavior? If the answer is yes, then you need to fear Allah more than you fear me. Okay. But look at the way you've used your ears over the course of the day. Look at what you've listened to over the course of the day and how you responded to what you listened to. And then look at how you used your tongue. Because ultimately, my tongue is going to be my key to going to heaven or hell. Why? Because the tongue is the easiest of actions. If I cannot control my tongue, I cannot control my other actions. If I can control my tongue, I can control my other actions. And your tongue is not just what you say with your mouth, it's also what you say with your fingers. That's also part of your tongue. So look at all the things you've said today. Are those the actions of someone who would go to paradise or not? Because that is something you control, that is something I control. And if you find yourself feeling, no, those are not the actions of someone that will go to paradise, then you know what to control for the rest of the day. Okay. And if they are the actions of someone who will go to paradise, then make it even better in the second half of the day. The Prophet, peace be upon him, has told us there's going to be a time that's going to come that there will be moment after moment after moment, struggle, and then another struggle, and then another struggle, and another, another struggle. And you will see people who will begin the day in deen, and they will leave the day outside of the deen. Okay. And sometimes you feel that that's now. And if it's not now, it's frightening to think how worse things will get with the news that hits, whether we speak of a disaster, or whether we speak of a crime, or what have you. But what am I saying? 
It's the easiest thing to control. Just take control of your tongue. And I'm always here to help, inshallah, on developing a plan on how to focus on self-improvement. I also go to people to focus on self-improvement. It's not like I have the answers for everything. And it's also very fun for me when some of you come to the office and you're looking for help, and I say, why don't you do this? You already do that. Well, what if you do this? I already do that. What if you do this? I already do that. What if you do this? I already do that. And then I say, I just can't really help you, right? Let me help edit your paper or something. Okay. So with that, my beloved brothers and sisters, it's a very, very simple reminder. On the one hand, we always have the theological questions, can other people go to heaven or hell? And what am I saying? That your actions, by virtue of the fact that you're Muslim, if people are going to hell, you want to drag them out. If they're going to heaven, you want them to go to, go to a higher level by embracing the way of the Prophet, peace be upon him. But then looking at your own self, take control of your tongue. So with that, I remind you of what the Qur'an says about the Prophet himself, may peace be upon him. Indeed, 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 Allah and his angels send blessings upon the Prophet, O you who believe, send blessings upon him. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi, ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. O Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his companions and upon his family. Extend the, uh, the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab nar Our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter, and protect us from the fire. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati yama yasifun, wa salamun ala al-mursaleen, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Aqeem as-salah.